Welcome back to the Casual Heresy Cast, where everything's a little casually heretical. And hopefully working now. So, we have a special guest with us, our first guest on the podcast. You may have heard us talk about her before. I don't know. I don't remember if we've talked about her before. It's entirely talked about somebody that... We've definitely talked about her boyfriend. Yeah. More than once. So, we have Jocelyn here with us. Um... And Jocelyn's here with us because one of the topics submitted for us to talk about was Protestantism, and neither Muffler nor myself feel we are very qualified to talk on this subject. I mean, some of my extended family is is Protestant, but I have no firsthand experience with it. Same um, here. Yeah. So, Jocelyn is a convert to Catholicism from Protestantism, so that is why she is on the show with us today. All right, we're going to open up with a prayer first. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this cold weather that has kept us eyes wide open and coats sealed shut. Pray that warm weather comes to us and that your will be done in and through us, Lord. You send us to your heavenly gaze when the time arises and may we get through this podcast in the manner that pleases you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. A little gibberish, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Closed coats. <laughs> it is very cold. Obviously, the show is called Casual Heresy. Uh, usually, we end up talking about Jaredism or Rubenism, which are technically technically heresies, but also not. They're casually. Casually, true. Yep. Okay, so Protestants were Catholic 500 years ago. And they are called Protestants because they were protesting things that were going on in the church. Uh, some of the things, like selling indulgences, were validly bad things that should not have been going on in the church. Um, but so these Protestant reformers tried to reform the church from outside of the church, not from within it, which resulted in a schism. Um, and that's how we have Protestantism today. A revolution. Not a reformation. Yeah, yeah. You don't leave Jesus for Judas, or because of Judas. Just because something bad is within, doesn't mean you um, ditch him. I've never heard that saying before. Yeah. Very nice. Because cool. if G Jesus was friends with Judas, Judas is a bad dude that betrayed God, yeah. Jesus. And so why would you believe in Jesus? Judas, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're just going to cut all of that out. <laughs> some of it, some of it. Yeah. It was right. good until I was overthinking that. Yeah. I think you got your Jesus, Jesus, your, yeah. Yes. So, so Jocelyn. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I don't actually know this, which, which denomination of Protestant were you? Yeah, um, so... Kind of throughout my life, I was never really sure um, 
it was always very confusing growing up because, you know, as you guys know, there are so many denominations of Protestantism. Um, growing up, though, <laughs> I was considered non-denominational or evangelical, which are pretty similar. Um, I don't really have a good definition for it, but in a simple terms, it's basically just a bunch of feelings. <laughs> um, a lot of it's about how you feel and about your relationship with God, um, obviously, but yeah, basically, I, I grew up um, just knowing that I was non-denominational um, slash evangelical. Um, we would go to non-denominational churches and evangelical churches, um, but yeah, there really wasn't much of a difference between the two. So, Jocelyn, uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your story and your background, how your faith developed? Yeah, sure. Um, so right now, uh, I am a high school graduate. I was given the opportunity to graduate a semester early, which was pretty great. Um, so now I'm, you know, working, saving up money for college next year, but that's where I am now. Um, I guess all my life I grew up in a Christian household. I was definitely blessed in that aspect. Um, we didn't, we weren't always very practicing in our faith, though. Um, we really didn't start going to church until... I was probably eight or seven, um, but I always remember growing up, like, the Catholic values being instilled into our lives, like, honesty, kindness, compassion, you know, like, all, all those good things. Um, you know, I went to Sunday school, and, you know, we celebrated Christmas, um, and I just remember, like, God always being a part of my life, um, and him always being, like, a rock that I could fall on when things got tough. Um, and, you know, I, I did definitely, um, had a harder childhood. I, um, was bullied a lot like um through elementary school which definitely um set a path up for some of my insecurities um but um when I was 10 um some my there's some family issues and we ended up moving to Canada um and kind of from there uh, our family got split up even more and kind of at that point I was feeling really lost and um you know as a 10 year old there's only so much that you can process so much that you can um take in uh and I went to God with my worries, my fears, and sometimes it was hard to feel God amidst everything going on. Um, and that was always difficult. Um, however, um, as I got older, uh, I was able to lean on God in more in different ways. I moved to Wisconsin when I was 13. I lived here with my mom and my dad was living in Toronto at the time, slash still is. Um, and um, before that, I moved around quite a bit and um, definitely just had a lot of baggage, a lot of wounds that God just needed to heal in my life. And I didn't really realize at that time. And I definitely was kind of just running from God in any way that I could. I mean, I didn't realize that. I won't admit that to anyone. But looking back now, I can definitely see that I was just running from God, running from the pain, um, running from a lot of that that baggage from those wounds. Um, and, um, you know, throughout... My freshman year of high school, I just really struggled with mental health. You know, I struggled with um, eating disorders, and I struggled with depression, anxiety, um, even to the point where I tried committing suicide. And it was just, it was a very, very difficult year, um, and I just really fell away from God. I really just kind of rebelled against my values that were instilled in me in such a young age. I just did a lot of things that I'm not proud of to this day. And then my sophomore year, beginning my sophomore year, I started dating Alex. Um, we've been together two and a half years now. I'm very blessed. He grew up Catholic and is still Catholic, <laughs> um, which is just not something I, I was really um, ever exposed to. I went to Lourdes, which was a Catholic high school, but 
I mean, we didn't really do that much Catholic stuff. We had mass and we had some religion classes, but it, it wasn't really, I wasn't exposed to it too much. So it was definitely interesting to be with someone who practiced their faith so much and was so passionate about it. And I remember at the beginning of our relationship, it, like, it didn't seem like a big deal that I was, he was Catholic and I was Protestant. Um, it was like, oh, okay, whatever, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but then as our relationship progressed, I started to become interested in Catholicism more. Um, I was going to the youth group um, called Aftershock, and it's a Catholic youth group, and I'd go with Alex. Um, <laughs> my anxiety was pretty bad at that point, so I basically just cling to him for every single <laughs> every single meeting. Um, and um, the only reason I got to go was so that I could flirt with him and be with him. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're first dating someone, you just want to be with him all the time. <laughs> Eventually, I started to really enjoy going to Aftershock. I started to get, from, get a lot from the messages. I started to appreciate some of the teachings. And I remember um, calling my dad up, and he's, he's the big spiritual, almost director in my life. He's the person I go to with a lot of my questions, even to this day. And I remember asking him this specific question. is like, Dad, why aren't we Catholic? Why, why do we believe our beliefs? And I remember he kind of gave me this really long answer, but just something didn't seem right. I was like, okay. I kind of went away from that. Like, okay, well, I'm glad he knows what he's talking about. I don't, but <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> went away from that call. Um, trying to understand, and I started to get kind of almost frustrated with Alex, and I didn't really understand why. Um, maybe just frustrated with the faith, frustrated that I felt he was in the wrong, and that the Catholic faith was wrong, and that he was living, practicing all these hard things when he didn't have to, and so we started to debate um, the Catholic and Protestant faith, and I would um, spend hours researching reasons why the Catholic faith was wrong, and I would come to him with like 10 Bible verses, and I would talk with people at my church, and they would bash the Catholic faith, and oh, <laughs> and poor Alex, I would just go up to him with all these questions, all in like a huff, and all like self-righteous, because I got all these answers that he just, he would never be able to debunk, and every single time, he debunked every single one of them with such just love, and grace, and patience, um, and... I, I think I have to cut in here, because I remember this, I remember <laughs> this time, and there'd be times Alex and me would just like go hang out, we'd go out to dinner together or something and he'd pull out this book like this 500 page <laughs> book and it's like i mean it's like i'm reading this book about the the reasons that the catholics believe in the deutero canon it's like it's a, <laughs> it's, it's really dry but i've got to I've got to read it because jocelyn and me are debating this stuff and it's like yeah. i was like okay cool yep. <laughs> you're braver than me <laughs> yep. pretty brave guy for sure yeah the big thing that we um argued about was the deutero canons because that was where in my search, at least, that's where I found a lot of the differences took place. And, um, you know, if I could disprove the Deuterocanons to him, disprove the entire Catholic Church and their beliefs, then I was right, and Protestantism was right, and my world was right, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I put a lot of effort into that. And the more I dug and the more I researched, the more frustrated I became, because every time I thought I found an avenue, I was hit with a roadblock, because... The Catholic Church teachings would come in and they totally debunk what I was saying. And it was like, it made sense. I was like, wow, that actually makes sense. Okay, next thing. And the more I progressed, the more frustrated and the more scared I got because I didn't want to become Catholic. I didn't want to realize the truth um, because it was scary. I mean, to me, the thought of, you know, possibly having a family not using birth control scared me. The thought of, um, I don't even know. <laughs> just some of the, I don't know, just some Catholic things scared me. The tradition scared me. Um, I didn't understand a lot of what it really meant to be a Catholic, and it just scared me. Um, so 
the big moment I think I had was our um, um, our youth group um, was going on a retreat called Curios, and Alex finally convinced me to come after like two months of badgering me about it. And I was like, okay, I'll come, I'll come. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I mean, I think it'll be fine. And he assured me multiple times I'd be fine. And um, I went, and I definitely felt um, confused uh, with a lot of things. But um, I just remember at the end of uh, the big day, Saturday, um, we spent the whole day just listening to talks and talking to small groups and praying and worshiping. And then um, the night we're going to have Eucharistic Adoration. And I didn't believe that Jesus was really present in the, in the Eucharist at that time because, again, I was Protestant, and Protestants don't typically believe that. Protestants never believe that, actually, that I know of, at least. There's no denomination that believes that. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, this is nice. I can at least, like, I can pray to Jesus. I mean, that's not Jesus up there. I mean, you could never be. That's crazy. But I can, I can at least pray, and I, I can maybe get something out of this night. And, well, <laughs> I definitely did get something out of that night. Um, I just remember sitting in front of the Eucharist and just seeing, um, I just felt God's love. I just felt God's love going through all my wounds, all my baggage. And as I looked up to the Eucharist with eyes and tears and just like basically curled up in a ball, I just was like, this is Jesus right there. That's Jesus. And if that's Jesus, I don't know, like I don't understand all the teachings, but there's no way I can speak Protestant if that's Jesus. Like it was just such like a, a moment where I just could feel God's love and feels mercy, um, and I just knew, I just knew that I was called to become a Catholic, um, and I also remember that the next day we had Mass, and um, everyone was going up to receive um, the Eucharist, and I was, I hadn't told anyone at that point about my experience of adoration, um, but I just remember the priest putting Jesus away back in the tabernacle, and just thinking, no, don't, don't leave, I want you to stay, I feel so at peace when you're here, like, um, and that day I just decided, like, I'm going to become Catholic. And um, I guess, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Um, that's how I converted. Um, and it definitely was a journey. Um, it took a lot of praying, and it took, and it was confusing at times because there were still a lot of things I didn't understand at first. But I just listened to the Holy Spirit, and I just trusted, um, trusted God that that's what he wanted for me. And um, I don't think I would ever look back, or I haven't ever looked back. Awesome. That, that's actually a really cool story. I don't think I've ever heard that in full, so that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, praise God. I've never heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. Like I said, I was kind of watching some of the process, but like, I think all of us as Catholics should actually take a lesson from what Alex did, and like, sometimes we do need to like find a 500 page book and read it, even if that sounds like it's gonna suck, but like yep. the Catholic Church has the answers. But like, my question for you is like, how should Catholics talk to Protestants who might be interested in the faith? Like kind of like, what did Alex get right? What did he get wrong? What should, what should like if someone walks up to me and is in a similar situation, like how should I, how should I handle that? Um, I think a big thing is don't overwhelm them with information. That was something that really pushed me away at first, was just being overwhelmed with information. Because um, sometimes when people feel confused, their pride kind of gets in the way, and they'll just kind of flee. Or they'll get scared, and they'll flee, and they'll just go back to what they know. And that's kind of what I did. I went back to what I knew for a while, which is Protestantism. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think definitely don't overwhelm um, people with information. Um, 
And then just definitely be patient and be gentle. Because that's God. As God is gentle. God is a gentleman. He will not force anything. And I think as Catholics, we should respect people in that same way. Um, and I think people will respect that a lot more, too. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think from what you said, Jocelyn, Alex did a good job speaking with, like, compassion and love instead of badgering. Mm -hmm. Or being defensive. Yeah. You know, that was definitely, that was definitely good. Yeah, I think a lot of, myself, I need to work on that. <laughs> My passion can turn into something that doesn't seem like love. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it is really easy to turn Catholicism into, like, a lot of information because it is, it is ultimately, like, it is a very intellectual, well, it's, both intellectual and spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice balance, but people tend to over-intellectualize things. Or spiritualize. Or over-spiritualize things. So it's like, it's really easy to overload that. I think um, the biggest piece of information, if a person came up to me that wanted to become Catholic, um, I think the biggest thing I would uh, explain to them or just try to convey to them is that you don't have to understand everything to be Catholic. You know, it is a process, and as long as you just let the Holy Spirit work through you, it will happen. It will come. You'll understand. Um, sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and trust God with the unknown, and that can be hard, but it's so worth it, um, and it's so worth it, you know, just to fully accept the Catholic faith, even if you don't understand everything. I mean, to the day, to this day, I still have questions. I mean, I if I have a question about the Catholic faith, I know that even if I don't understand the reason the church has a particular view, I know it is right because of the church, and the church is always right. It certainly is more wise than I am. I mean, I'm 17 years old. Do I really think that I know more than the church? Mm -hmm. um, so I have to remind myself of that. And then obviously you can, it's still good to go and, like, if you have questions, it's okay to question and be like, hey, why does the church believe in this? But um, it's okay. Like, it's okay to question. It's okay to not understand everything. Yeah. I agree. It's sort of like before, I'm sure Michael's experienced this too, before I was actually like actively a Catholic and did more than just go to Sunday Mass growing up. Um, so like within my first year of college and just throughout college, I've gone to Mass and learned about the faith more and more and been more convicted. So it's like I was never a Protestant, but I was definitely a like non practicing Catholic, so I was a practical atheist, mm -hmm. and yeah, so sort of going through that same thing, so yeah, I think we can understand what you were going through mm -hmm. from yeah. slightly different direction, but it's yeah. the same way, yeah. Yeah, actually, I encounter a lot of Catholics that feel that way, too. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing that's important to remember for Catholics is something I noticed in your story is that you were raised with these values, mm -hmm. and I can speak to this as, like I said, most of my extended family is Protestant. And they're all genuinely very good people, mm -hmm. like very good people, very devout people, better than most of the Catholics I bump into on the street, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but it's like, it's easy to overlook that when you're in a really solid community of Catholics. You can kind of think of Protestantism and Protestants as being like, evil, right? A whole bunch of guys look, look like Martin Luther running around. Which, that would that would be freaky, honestly. Martin Luther looked kind of weird. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. Catholics need to walk around, not saying it's 
us against them, but it's the against Lucifer. Like, yeah. It's just like it's, it's us good, against the world. It's, it's Catholic and Christians against the world. It's good against evil, and like everyone who's baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is Christian. You know, mm-hmm. they can they can receive grace. They're they're can be saved. So yes. it's like. Yeah, that's another thing that I've often, a myth I've heard that, like, Catholics believe that Protestants can't be saved. Like, no. Protestants can totally be saved. <laughs> that's just... Mercy? Right, divine exactly. mercy? <laughs> divine mercy. <laughs> Catholics, do you not know who St. Faustina is? Or JP2? Unfortunately, some of them probably don't, but... <laughs> if I met a Catholic who didn't know who JP2 was, I'd be disturbed. Hey, to be fair, I didn't know who JP2 was until a couple months ago, so... True, but you you're know. also you're also a lot younger than me, so... <laughs> fair I enough. Forget that there are people who are, like, active in their... Old enough to be active in their faith who were born after JP2 had died. That so. is very fair. Do you think uh, St. Augustine knew JP2? He does now. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even have to stick a fork in a socket. He just got to meet him when JP2 died. Darn. The things I would do. No. <laughs> Heresy. Heresy. Not really, but yes. What was your favorite thing about being Protestant? And what is your favorite thing about being Catholic? That is a tough one. I've never thought about that. Um, well, I think when I was Protestant, there was a lot less accountability. It was a lot easier. Um... It was much easier to sin because I knew I didn't have to face confession. I could just kind of go to my bedroom in private and admit to God what I've done versus, I mean, you admit to God what you don't want to go to confession, but when you have to go to confession, you have to look at the priest and you have to tell them what you've done. It's a lot scarier. And it, you know, um, also the idea of like uh, mortal sin and the, like the fear of that is definitely, um, definitely scarier. Um, again, the grace of God, right? That's why we have confession. That's why we have the sacraments. Um, so yeah, I think my favorite thing about being a Protestant was that it was easier. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing about being Catholic um, is definitely the sacraments. I have felt God's love so much through the sacraments, through the sacrament of confession, um, and then just like through the sacrament of obviously like um, the Eucharist, right? Um, and I'm like more sacraments to come, you know, hopefully marriage one day. <laughs> um, but like I just remember like the day after I was confirmed, um, I just remember like having such like a joy in my heart after receiving three sacraments in one day and just just feeling God's love in a new way like I never had experienced before and it, it was just beautiful and amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmation is really cool though. Yeah. Like I, I like confirmation. I wish I wish we did a better job of teaching confirmation to the average Catholic on the street because like if you actually know what's going on there. It's insane. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> like, oh, I get to change my name to Joseph now. It's like, <laughs> no, no, that's not what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have known more during confirmation. Like, if I knew half the stuff I knew now during when I was getting confirmed or going through Christian formation classes, man, that would have been a game changer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty insane, because I got the um, sacrament of confession for the first time on my um, confirmation day, obviously the sacrament of confirmation, and then, um, Eucharist. right, and I also got, <laughs> I also got, 
I also got to take the Eucharist for the first time, and that was just, it was incredible. It was, yeah, better than anything the Protestant faith I ever felt in the Protestant faith. And again, it's not all about feelings, of course, but mm. it was a pretty great day. Yeah, just some facts don't care about your feelings. Right, right, my bad. <laughs> but people do, so that's good. And God does. God made your feelings. Boom. Boom. Another thing I want to add to, this kind of referring to earlier, is how um, saying that being Catholic is, is probably a lot harder than being Protestant because of some of the, the rules or traditions that is in place. But I just want to say that like it is so worth it. You know, the, the hard totally is worth it you know, is worth it. Um, just like the the gifts that we're given as Catholics, you know, it's worth it every single time. What do you, what are you, what are you both doing for Lent as Lent starts this week? I'm giving up makeup for those, for, well, for myself, for someone who struggles with self-image, but also for all those other people who do struggle with self-image as well. Yeah. Um, and then I probably will be giving up meat and fasting of some Nice. And for myself, or my glass, me, so. Yeah. I will be giving up scrolling through social media. I will still post because I think that is beneficial for other people. Scrolling is not beneficial for me. Or other people probably, I don't know. I don't think they get anything out of it. <laughs> there might be some guy named, like, Billy Bob in Montana who's like, Oh, Spencer's scrolling through Instagram again. This makes me so happy. Uh, well, if you think no, about it, if you're not scrolling through social media, you're going to be a better you, which therefore benefits other people. True. There you go. There I'm it is. Also, just going to try to have more intentionality in everything I do towards other people. Just my daily life as a student and a person, you know, a human being. What about you, Michael? I am going to give up my phone because I spend way too much time on my phone. Mm. Like, people can still contact me through text and email, obviously, mm -hmm. but just I don't see much benefit from that. And then I'm probably going to try and do a, a fast on um, Wednesdays and Fridays mm. just because those are traditional fast days, and I'd like to do some sort of traditional fasting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet, except not anymore. Lent. So. Not for the next. Ooh, so it's bitter. Well, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is Mardi Gras. Isn't it Fat, fat Tuesday? <laughs> Isn't it Fat Tuesday? <laughs> My mom is a French teacher, so she's probably not happy with me right now. <laughs> but uh, yes, they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except you pronounce it right. Mardi means fat. And grass means Tuesday. No, Marty is Tuesday. <laughs> there we grass go. There we go. You heard it from him himself. <laughs> yeah, we just made a whole ton of gumbo for our Marty grass dinner. Hopefully it smells it pretty good. good. It does smell pretty good. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Unless you have COVID and then it doesn't smell like anything. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this conversation. Uh, thank you for, for Jocelyn for uh, 
having her be willing to share her story with us today. Um, I ask you to be with all Christians, that they may ever grow closer to you and to your church. I pray that they will once again, we will all be united in your one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We ask all these things through your precious and holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As always, give us a, a like, a subscribe, share this with your friends. And your family, because if your family's not friends, still share it with them. Also, then we might want to work on that. <laughs> but And we also want to thank Jocelyn for being here as our first official guest. Thank you for listening. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Don't do anything I would would not do <laughs> or would do. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs>